Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. Well, let's dive into these many passages we've taken a look at this morning. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we dig into this amazing celebration we call Palm Sunday and why we celebrate it and how the Lord is working in the midst of it, even on this very day through these very unplanned and unprecedented circumstances. We ask Him to bless us through that. So please pray with me as we do this. Father, we ask you right now in this time and this place and across time and across space that you would help us be the people waving those palm branches, even though that we don't have them to wave. We're not together to wave them. We can't assemble and celebrate the king like we always have done so many times. And yet, in the midst of this strange pattern in this unique format, we're still able to worship. We're still able to praise. I, I ask that you would help us um, believe that, to trust in you through this as we study your word about what Palm Sunday means. Not what it meant that day only, but what it means this day now and for all the days to come. Help us understand this mystery of the now and the not yet. As we say, just as they said that day, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We pray that you would give us that blessing, that we would always come in your name and be the people of the King, the people of the one who indeed is here to save us now. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus as we ask for your mercy and your grace and your perfect peace. Amen. Amen. So as we've shared today, through our announcements, through our music, through the readings, and through even the visual Bible that we got to participate in today, this is not a normal week. This is always called Holy Week, but this year it might be more holy than it has ever been. Because remember, the biblical definition of holy is different, utterly different, set apart, and set apart for a purpose, to get us to think different, to see different, to imagine different, to, to, to feel different. And the problem that we face today is that we feel different in the way that we don't want to feel. We, we're missing this. And I have to tell you, I was telling my family, and of course, you know, the kids are like, whatever, Dad, but you know how it goes. I was telling my family, this is the very first Holy Week I've never been in church in my entire life. And obviously that means I was brought up in the church, but, but it also means that that my whole life there's been a rhythm, there's been this once a year. You know, a lot of people have this with Christmas, and you know, somewhere along the line of November or maybe even October, you start singing Christmas music, you start decorating the mantle, you put up the Christmas tree sometime along in those times, and so you have these sort of rhythms that you do. And, and yet, imagine if Christmas was just like, well, sorry, <laughs> no Christmas this year. And I mean, that's the way it feels with Holy Week. Because I would argue that Holy Week is way bigger than Christmas. Of course, it's maybe the culmination of Christmas would be a good way to say that. And Palm Sunday is the first day of Holy Week. It's this day that we read about, that we've watched um, unfold through these videos, um, this powerful moment in the ministry of Jesus, in the service of Jesus. If you remember, all through the Gospel of Mark, we have been writing this promise passage on our heart. It's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to 
Not, not, not did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And if I could spit it out right, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And now he just gets done saying that, and here we are. He's rolling into Jerusalem on a donkey. And of course, from where we sit, you know, you may not be a big fan of donkeys. You know, we might say it's an old mule, an old Missouri mule. You know, that's kind of a common thing we have around here. But, but why would he choose this? And what is this moment about? Why are they saying Hosanna? What is all of this about? We must look at God's word. We must open it up and see what he has to say to you and to me. So let's take a look. Our first passage is from Genesis 49, verse 11. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Genesis, what does Genesis have to do with Palm Sunday? And it's, my, it's quite the better question would be, what does Palm Sunday have to do with Genesis 49, which is where the promise of the Lion of Judah is given all the way back in the very first book of the Bible. Take a look at these words. Binding his foal, talking about this promised one from Judah, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. So first of all, we, this is the very first point, in, first, first moment in the story where we get this business about there's going to be a connection between the Lion of Judah and a donkey. And look at what it says. It says he's, he's binding it to the vine. So it's, there's, a, there's a, something to do with this donkey, this, this foal, and, and it's, it's, it's bound to this vine. And then look at what he says. He says, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, the vine, if you'll allow that language, and he has washed his garments in wine. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I want you to think of the brightest, whitest sheets you've got, the most, the, the, the most bleached out clothing you can imagine. And then I want you to go over to Linwell Winery and get some of that Table Rock red wine. And I want you to try to do some laundry. How's that going to turn out, right? What color is it going to be when it comes out? So this is a bizarre statement right in this prophecy in Genesis 49 about the Lion of Judah, about the one who would arise from the line of Judah. And of course, Throughout the story of the Bible, this, this prophecy keeps getting maintained and built upon. And through the various prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel. But then it gets built on even more by Samuel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we get this promise of there would be one who would come in David's line who would be the Messiah, who would be the one who would save us now. And so we see this prophecy beginning in Genesis, but now, then what's interesting is now we have to go to Zechariah. Take a look at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah is the Hebrew word zakar, and, it, and, then, and, then the, and then the Yah on the end is Yahweh. So it means Yahweh. Zakar means remembers, and Yah, of course, means Yahweh. So Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. The Lord remembers. This is a cause for rejoicing. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold. Which means, it's, 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 look, look at this. Looky here. Look, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. He is bringing with him salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here is this thing with the donkey again. They won't quit with the donkey, the Bible. And so here we have this, this big moment where there's a hyperlink in Zechariah's prophecy 
all the way back to Genesis when we get the prophecy from Moses. So Moses provides the first prophecy. Then we have Zechariah providing this. This, Of course, as I mentioned, the other prophets chime in on this. But Zechariah highlights the donkey again. And so now we, we find this Mark chapter 11 story of where, where, there, where Jesus walks up and says, I'll tell you what, fellas, I want you to go up there, talk to this fella, get a donkey. And they're just, they're just like, oh, okay, we're supposed to go get a donkey. And, and, and again, no one was able to, you know, hyperlinks in the biblical story, you can't really capture them when they're unfolding right before your eyes. Now I want you to think about that. Hyperlinks in the biblical story, you don't catch them when they're unfolding right in the midst of, your li- of our lives. Guys, there are hyperlinks in the biblical story unfolding between, be, be, in front of our very eyes. And I'm not talking about some kind of end times prophecy. The end times prophecy is really simple. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> he's coming back. And whether, it's coming today, whether he's coming today or tomorrow, I don't know the scripture. Actually, Jesus went so far as to say no one knows the time or the day, so don't worry about it. Don't be alarmed. Don't let people deceive you about it. I think there's a few out there trying to deceive us about that right now. So we're gonna read scripture and we're gonna listen to Jesus and says it's not about the time or the hour. It's about what's going on in here. And I want you to hear the good news of Jesus today. This is why we celebrate, this is why we rejoice about Palm Sunday because they said, Hosanna, save us now. So you might be sitting there doing church in your pajamas and thinking, I really would rather be waving the palm branches and singing those awesome Palm Sunday songs. Right on, right on in majesty, the King of glory comes. The nation rejoices. Why can't we do that? And you might be sitting there thinking this is all wrong. But guys, there is a hyperlink going on in our lives right now. And we can't see it when it unfolds right before us. But I want you to hear God's word. I want you to hear it in your heart, in your mind, in, your, in all of your, of your going in and coming out right now. Of course, not a lot of going out, right? We're, 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 we're sending to stay home. Hosanna. He's working. He is saving us now. Take a look at Mark chapter 11, verse 9. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches. So, so Mark, you know, John actually says palm branches. Mark here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is, carried to, is including that they had gone out and got anything they could find. It didn't have to be palms, which I, as someone who, when I was first a pastor, um, no one, there's no class at seminary which reminds you to order palms before it gets too close to Palm Sunday. And my very first year, I was like, oh my goodness, we didn't get palms. So I felt like this. I'm like, maybe Maybe we have to go out in the field and cut some leafy branches, right? And it's good to know the scriptures would have allowed for that. But thankfully, a florist of Nixa bailed us out. The point being here, look at what they, they spread leafy branches shouting, Hosanna, which means save us now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now we can get in and do all the biblical scholarly studies of why they were saying this and how the crowds didn't always seem to understand who Jesus was any more than the disciples did. Ironically, the Pharisees, or at least some of them, certainly seemed to know who he was and that actually made them dislike him more. But however, whoever their situations were, were and however they unfolded, the bottom line is I want you to read this as you would say it now. If he was coming into our town right now, we would say, Lord, save us. Look at the world. There are 
there's a crisis in the world and people are dying and they're sick and the rest of us are going, why can't we go? I, I saw a funny joke the other day. It's not really funny, but I mean, it, it captures the, the absurdity, the awkwardness of what we feel right now. And he goes, he goes, so let me get this straight because some dude in China ate a bat. I can't go to the gym, you know? And, and you laugh, you listen to that, you might laugh a little bit and, and then the healthcare workers will be like, it's a little bit more grim than that. But the point is that, is that it, it, it is this strange thing we can't even imagine. We would have never predicted this. And here we are. Save us now, Lord. If he was rolling into town right now, we would say to him, please save us, deliver us from this calamity. I want you to continue to pray that. And I want you to know that as we pray that, we pray that not because we've got all of our things in, a right, in the right order or our behavior's been great this week. I, I, I've had others tell me, they're like, you know, it's kind of hard to like, live right when I'm home all the time and, and there's a strong urge to sit on the couch and eat bonbons, right? And of course, you know, the parents are like, well, no, we got to get to work and do the chores, clean the house, all these things. But whether you're a busybody or, or, or a couch potato or somewhere in between, you know that this is a difficult time because all of our rhythms and routines have been just thrown out of whack. Save us now. Take a look. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. What does salvation look like? So if we're going to say, save us now, I want you to know what salvation looks like. I want you to know that those hyperlinks about donkeys and about the Lion of Judah and all of this stuff that's coming to bear in our lives right now, this is where these are taking us. This is the biblical story. And I want you to know that the biblical story didn't end 2,000 years ago. It's been unfolding throughout history, and it's unfolding at this very, very moment. It's unfolding that God would, God would plan for us to be able to have the ability to hook up a camera in our church building so that I could talk to you about Jesus over the internet. This is his planning. He set this up long ago, long in advance before we ever knew we would need it. And I want you to hear these words. Look at Revelation 7. After this, the apostle John, as he looked and he, he said, behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. So in other words, he's there and, and, and he's hearing a number and then the number's written read to him and you can read all about that in Revelation 7. But then he turns and he looks. And what does he see? He sees what salvation looks like. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages. Some people will talk to me and they'll say um, they won't know who I am or whatever and we'll get to talking and, and, and they'll be a zealous evangelical Christian. I mean evangelical meaning they're wanting to tell me the gospel and that's what I call evangelical. That's good stuff, right? And they'll say, do you know Jesus? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how long have you known him? I'm like, as long as I have any memory to remember. And they're like, well, great, Wh which day were you saved? And I said, I said, I think it was like April the 9th or something 33 AD, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, right? And then they don't like that. They're like, okay, Mark's weird, and everyone already knows that. But the point here is to say that, that when we're talking like this, what does salvation look like? When did it happen? Did it, did it happen the day I believed? Did it happen the day I was baptized? Did it happen the day that Jesus died on the cross or rose from the grave? And of course, you know where I'm going. <laughs> yes, it, and it's, it is a category that we need to let go of. Let the biblical story play out in our lives. Let, you need to know that everything that's going on in your life is part 
of the biblical narrative. It's the story of Jesus in your life and in mine, the true story, the story by which all the other stories are copied from and written from and and inspired by. And this is what's going on, and I want you to see it again. He looked and he saw everyone. Every, every, every kind of person, every, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. And then I want you to see what else he saw. Um, look at this. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, you, you need to know that those robes, all the way, they're linking all the way back to the promise of Judah, the Lion of Judah, the, prof, the prophecy from Genesis 49, where there's this business of washing clothes in wine, right? And there's this business of, of, of garments being made clean. Because here, in Revelation, they're going to take the prophecy a step further and say those robes have been washed not in the wine, but in the blood of the lamb. And everybody who's ever done any laundry goes, yeah, that ain't working. And so you can see what's going on. Jesus has given us his righteousness. He's literally clothed us with it. You need to know that your place in the story, you might be sitting there thinking, Mark, if you knew my place in the story, I'd be the villain or, or, or at least one of the crowds that are the hooligans or whatever. No, 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 no. Your place in the story is right here. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, where, I, where John looked and he saw people from every tribe and, lo- and language and tongue and all of those things, and they were the people with white robes. Your robe is white. It has been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And if you're asking me, when did that happen? I am saying to you right now, Lord, Hosanna, save us now. Hear the word of God proclaimed to you right now. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but. And you should have tuned in Wednesday night when we talked about the yeah, buts, right? Throw them out. They're not in the Bible. The, the Bible is Jesus is like, hey, I've come for you. I've come to save you. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, yes, and for you. This is the truth. It is most certainly true. All the good Lutherans out there said hooray, right? But look at what else is in this chapter verse, chapter 7, verse 9. There's the palm branches again. This business with the palm branches, right? There it is. They're waving them at, in, in the throne room of God. They're, st- they're before the throne and before the Lamb. Their white robes have been washed clean by his blood, and now they're waving the palm branches because... Jesus is the king. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the prince of peace. This is who he is, and he loves you. He has moved heaven and earth. He has brought heaven to earth for you so that you will be in this room when this prophecy is concluded because it's not done yet. This prophecy is future. And I want you to know that your future is secure because of what the Lamb has done, the Lamb who has been slain for you and for me. And Palm Sunday is the day he rolled into town saying to the devil and to the powers and principalities and the rulers of this world, of this dark world, come at me, bro, it's game on. I have rolled into town and I am going to suffer and die for my people, for you. This is what he says. Take a look at verse 17. 
in verse 16, it kind of summarizes, they're not going to hunger, neither shall they thirst anymore, right? They're not going to hunger or thirst. And then in verse 17, he concludes, for the lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, look at this, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away some of the tears from their eyes and tell them, I'll get over the rest of it. That isn't what it says. It says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes and from mine. And I want you to hear that on Palm Sunday. I want you to hear that on this day when we cannot wave the branches together. And I want you to hear that on the days when we can and all the days in between so that no matter what you feel, no matter what you experience, no matter what you go through, no matter what kind of difficulty may be unfolding in your life, there's in all of our lives, there are these common things. There is life and there is death. And there is a whole lot of mess in between. And I'm here to tell you that that mess in between is the unfolding of the biblical narrative right now before our eyes. It's happening. And I know you might be thinking that it isn't, but I'm just telling you don't listen to the lie that it isn't. Hear the truth that it is. Hear the truth that the Word of God is coming to you through this way to get into your ears and into your heart so that you will know Jesus went to Jerusalem and when the people said Hosanna, which means save us now, he was thinking of them and he was even thinking of the people, the Roman soldiers who would pierce him and mock him and beat him and nail him to the cross. He was thinking of even the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were conspiring against him. He was thinking of Judas, even though he knew Judas would rebel and reject and betray him. He was thinking of all of the worst people in the world. And he was seeing the vision of Revelation. John eventually would see some years later when he looked and he saw people from every tribe and every tongue and every language washed in the blood of the Lamb with white robes that are now clean because of that. All because of a donkey? Yeah, the prophecy of that donkey. And, I, and you know, some of you guys can let your imagination run a little wild with various words we could assign to that. And I want you to remember that every time you feel like a donkey, that Jesus used exactly that, <laughs> exactly that, to proclaim the salvation to all people who would welcome him just like they did that day in Jerusalem. So that leaves us with one parting moment here to think about. This week, as you... Allow Palm Sunday to launch you into Holy Week. It, holy doesn't mean religious. It doesn't mean good or moral. It means different. I would invite you to make this week different. To let this week that began with a prophecy about a donkey and all that that might sound like or seem like, let that, let that difference carry you into this week and and, 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 and as you go about your routine that is all disrupted and, and, and different, I want you to look around and I want you to pray about how you could see the people around you. And you might be like, Mark, uh, the people, uh, you mean the people I don't get to see because I'm staying at home. Fine. You'll see people around you. You'll see them on your social feed. You'll see them on television. You'll see them maybe when they'll call you on FaceTime or Zoom, whatever it might be. 
And I want you to see that those are the people who are going to be standing before the throne, waving palm branches. And there will be no tears left in their eyes. And let that truth and that, and that powerful promise be true for you as you enter into this week and pray for them and care for them and love them. All in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now to help us be different in, different in this different week, this holy week. Maybe not in the way we would have expected. Maybe not in the way we would have hoped. But it's the way you've given to us. And I pray that you give us eyes to see this biblical hyperlink, this narrative unfolding in our midst that we don't understand and couldn't fathom. But it's what you have given to us this very different week. I pray that we would have a heart for following you from the entry gates of Jerusalem as you entered in the gates and as they waved the palm branches and then you went and you taught with them. You, 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 you were teaching, you were presenting, you were confronting and you were dismantling assumptions. And then you went to that last meal where you said, because of your love, they will know that you are my disciples. And then to that Friday, which we call Good Friday, only because of Easter Sunday. And I pray you would invite us all to use this different week, this very different week, to immerse ourselves in the promises that will flow to us like a waterfall that cannot be stopped. And I pray you would do all of this because of your love, and because of your caring for all people, desiring that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Which is why we pray in the name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.